Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Friday, February 4th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. Flyers will be back at it uh, coming up on Wednesday against the Detroit Red Wings. This season's been weird. <laughs> like I'm breaking news here all of a sudden. But it's been so strange because it's been so start and stop and herky-jerk. It feels like you're counting down the days for the season to start, then it starts. And then there was a pause, and then there was a period of time where you're without Ryan Ellis. We're still without Ryan Ellis. Then you have this period of a 10-game winless streak that you can't wait to end. Then it ends in a 7-game point streak. Then the new year comes, and uh, Flyers don't get their first win of 2022 to the last day, their last game they had scheduled in the month of January. They win back-to-back games for the first time since... December, I think, 18th and 29th. And now we're basically counting down to when they play again because of the eight days between games and the All-Star break. But it's just been one of those seasons I've really had struggled this season to get myself into an NHL or Flyers season rhythm. It's been difficult because it's been erratic from a play standpoint, the product on the ice. It's been erratic for the league off the ice with so many COVID postponements and cancellations and players in protocol in that first half of the year. I mean, there was a, at one point there, I mean, the list of players going into protocol daily was enormous and it was just very tenuous. So it just hasn't been a comfortable year for me, I'm sure for a lot of fans as well. You know, winning would have fixed that. for sure, because winning is the deodorant that fixes everything. But that being said, we're kind of counting down the days now until the Flyers get back on the ice, which will be coming up on Wednesday against the Detroit Red Wings, first game of a home-and-home. Now, a couple things to get into in this episode. Uh, First of all, we all know that Claude Giroux is out in Vegas for All-Star Weekend. He's out there with his wife, Ryan, and his older son, Gavin, uh, in tow. And the skills competition coming up tonight. Now, Claude Giroux will be in the Discover NHL Fountain Faceoff. And you go, what the heck is the NHL Fountain Faceoff? Now, it's in Vegas, so they're trying to put a Vegas flair on it. And, you know, they're trying to find ways to make the skills competition, which I think is pretty compelling anyway. I think the skills competition is way better than the game, especially since they made the game three on three. But anyway... Uh, they're trying to find ways to give it local flair and and make it more compelling. And, and Vegas, you know, a city that's known for that in all facets. So the Discover NHL Fountain Faceoff, here's what it says it is. The competition takes place on the iconic Bellagio Fountains. Players will travel by boat to the rink and are required to successfully shoot pucks into five targets in the least amount of time. Qualifying players move to the head-to-head final. Fountain spray and breeze off the strip will add to the challenge of this unprecedented NHL All-Star Skills event. Now, when I first read that and I saw the renderings or the mock-ups of it, I thought, this is as stupid as it comes. What are we doing? But upon further review, I kind of look at it and go, this might be interesting. It's kind of the Ray Bork thing where, what was it, 15 years ago, maybe even longer, that Ray Bork went four for four on the foam targets in the corners of the net in that all-star game, still a member at that time of the Boston Bruins. Uh, This is taking that to the next level for sure. And as luck would have it, 
It sounds like the most ludicrous event of skills, the skills competition, uh, but it's also the one that Flyers captain Claude Giroux and captain of the Metropolitan Division will compete in. Here are the players or participants, if you will, competing in the Discover NHL Fountain Faceoff. Jonathan Huberdeau, Jordan Eberle, Jocelyn Lamorello-Davidson. I've actually interviewed her before. She played for Team USA, one of the twins. Roman Yossi, Nick Suzuki, Zach Wierenski, and Mark Stone. And, of course, Claude Giroux. So that should it'll be interesting. I'm now kind of intrigued at the NHL Fountain Faceoff. And, of course, when he gets back, provided Giroux does good or bad, We'll ask him about it, what that experience was like. Uh, but good luck to him in the Discover NHL Fountain Faceoff coming up tonight and the All-Star Game this weekend. Now, one of the other things I wanted to talk about in this episode, Sean Shapiro, who writes about the business of hockey and the business of the NHL um, for The Athletic, you can uh, follow him on Twitter, at Sean Shapiro, S-E-A-N Shapiro. He does a really good job. And he wrote this piece where he polled a bunch of NHL agents. And here's how many he polled. So he a, a litany of topics with these NFL NHL agents, excuse me. He polled 20 agents who combined to represent a total of 358 active NHL player contracts, t- totaling an estimated $3.1 billion a year in salary. And according to, or excuse me, $3.1 billion in salary total, according to Puckpedia, and an average annual value of those contracts of $734,230,837. Pretty much the equivalent of nine NHL teams. So this is a good sampling. 20 agents doesn't sound like much, but when you're talking about 358 player contracts and that much money, these are the big heavy hitter agents, the ones with power, the ones that have the big names. So... They were all granted anonymity when responding to a survey to encourage the most honest and open answers. And they and they went through a bunch of different topics. Gary Bettman, gambling, the ESPN deal, the Olympics. And one of the ones has really caught Flyer fans' eye. And it's this. Money being equal, which team or owner would you steer your clients toward? Now, say they're a free agent. So you have player X who's a free agent this offseason. And if the money is the same in Vegas as it is in Philadelphia, as it is in Dallas, as it is in Tampa, as it is in San Jose, again, money being equal, which team or ownership would you steer your clients toward? Now, the number one answer that got the most was the Tampa Bay Lightning. Absolute first-class organization. They've won back-to-back cups. We know about their ownership and and what they've been able to accomplish down there and Tampa Bay and Jeff Vinnick, world-class operation, got an advantage already, no state income tax down there. Um, they have the success, good lifestyle, one of those where you can be an NHL player and have some anonymity in Tampa, and you can live a real good life there. So that got the number one. That, that'd be the place that would be kind of – the agents would point their clients toward the most. After that, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then it's the Philadelphia Flyers third. The Islanders are after that, and the New York Rangers. Now, there's a New York effect to that, as always. You know, we've talked about Artemi Panarin. He wanted to play in New York, not necessarily because it was for the Rangers. He wanted to play at the most famous arena in the world, 
Madison Square Garden. And that's why he ended up going there. But the fact that the Flyers came in third here really hit people, kind of shocked them. Now, you look back and you say, well, players don't want to come here. It's not an attractive destination. That's just not true. Because I think you can see that by how many players have played here and then stayed. And I'm not just talking about hockey players. I'm talking about NFL players, guys who have come here, played for the Eagles, Jeremiah Trotter, Ike Reese. The list goes on and on. Brent Selleck lives down the street from me now, for goodness sake. And it's not just because they married a girl from here. I mean, going back, Quentin Michaels, a guy who's still in the area. There's a a ton of Eagles, uh, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies. They all stay in the area. John Cruck lives in Kennett Square. You know, you have these guys all over the Delaware Valley. It's because Philadelphia is a good place. It's seasonal, four seasons, uh, salt-of-the-earth people, passionate sports fans, not laid back like the West Coast. You know, good restaurants, good culture. It's got all of that. So it's not one of those things where it's not a destination where players don't want to come to, coupled with the fact that the Flyers do have a brand and a, a recognition still of being a top-notch organization. And you may say, well, they don't get the biggest free agents. Okay, well, John Tavares, the one year, wanted to go home and wanted to play for Toronto. The second biggest free agent that year was James Van Riemsdyk. He was also coming home, coming back, which is actually is, a, I think, a bit of a rarity in sports that players want to go back to where they're from and play. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to money, but a lot of it also comes down to what it's like day-to-day for the players. And that just doesn't mean game day. So one of the elements that was talked about in the story by Sean Shapiro on The Athletic, and I appreciate him so much kind of going further than just the surface. And he says in his story, Toronto has its detractors. The Maple Leafs have their massive budget and offer the advantage in the minds of agents. Multiple agents pointed out how the AHL-affiliated Marlies may have better facilities than some NHL teams, as an example. And then he says, along the East Coast, the Rangers and Islanders and their Metropolitan Division rivals in Philadelphia are well-respected. The Rangers and Flyers, it's more historical, and some older agents pointed out that the players in Philadelphia have typically been happy for decades while the Rangers flex their financial muscle in a good way when it comes to amenities. And here's a quote from the story from an agent. The Flyers do the little things right, always have, whether it's making the right amenities for the players or having the right things for the wives. Also, one of the agents pointed out how it's not customary or required for NHL teams to give a player an NHL jersey to keep when they get called up, you know, it, I don't know if people know this, but players have to buy those jerseys. You just don't take the jersey. You don't own it because you wore it. Uh, but in Philadelphia, players are given the courtesy of getting the jersey. It is now given to them. And one agent pointed out how the team even goes out of the way to make players' kids feel welcome, wives feel welcome. And the quote says, you play in Philly and you know the organization cares about you and your family. And those things do go a long way. The Flyers have invested a a really good amount of money in an alumni room for alumni to come back and have a lounge area downstairs, uh, a kids' lounge and wives' lounge, which are second to none. And those things do mean a lot to players because they're uprooting their family and coming here, and they want to know, you know, happy wife, happy life. You want your kids and you want your wife and you want your family to feel like they're a part of it as much as you're a part of it. And the Flyers, for all the criticisms they get, that is absolutely intact and still happening. And that is a good thing. 
and agents will steer players because of that. You know, Kevin Hayes signed here as a free agent. Uh, we haven't seen the superstar. Very rarely do we even see players of John Tavares's caliber or Artemi Panarin's caliber get to free agency. So that just doesn't happen very often. But um, that's good to see that the Flyers ranked third in the NHL of where an agent would point their players to come play for what teams. Um, the other converse of that was they asked, is there a team or an owner you would encourage a client to avoid? Arizona, number one. Absolutely, totally makes sense. It's been a mess in Arizona for years and years and years. It's not getting any better. The arena deal, finding the right deal, it's just been a mess in Arizona. You would think lifestyle, pretty good in Arizona, but all the things considered, teams very rarely competitive. That's not a place you want one of your clients to go to. Ottawa is on that list. Carolina is also on that list. And you look at Carolina, you go, well, Carolina is a good team. Why would they be on that list? Because, you know, good team, good coach. You know, they have a, a lot of good pieces there. But Tom Dundon, he's one of the newer owners in the NHL. He bought the team in 2018, and he is a very shrewd businessman is the way it was termed by Sean Shapiro. Um, he is a guy that, I mean, he almost lost Rod Brindamore because of being frugal. So he, he doesn't believe in paying top dollar for top product and top amenities and for players and agents and professional athletes and their families. That's just, that that's something that could hurt them. So uh, I thought that, that was a very interesting study and something we'll dig more into and uh, in coming up in episodes coming up as well. But I just thought it was real interesting in there. There's a lot of very interesting angles of discussion. I tell you what, the next time we have Bill Meltzer on, there's a couple of things in here I wanted to ask him about as well, including some of the uh, uh, the response on Gary Bettman and the leadership that he has provided, and also about the league and its ability to market the players or grow the product. So we'll talk about that with Bill coming up in an, in an episode coming up. But that's going to put a wrap on this Friday episode. I hope everybody has a great Friday. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day. Oh, yeah.